So let me talk, take you to a, a story that we read not too long ago in the Bible Project, if you're reading with us. It's in 1 Kings chapter 7. And, um, and, and listen, this is a really cool story. And if you aren't reading the Bible Project, definitely go to the Sunday's page this afternoon and look down and you'll see, get to this link, click on it. It'll take you to the whole story, not just these, these couple of verses here. And uh, it'll give you the whole story. And incidentally, um, Brent gave us some great stuff last week, some great resources. They're still, on, they're still on the page for last week, the Sunday's page. So go back to last week and make sure. If you didn't read those, uh, if you didn't read those articles, watch those videos, and uh, you're, you're struggling with uh, questions about uh, creation, evolution, Evolution, the Bible, God's existence, all of that. Great resources last week, okay? So this is 2 Kings chapter 7, uh, beginning of verse 1, at the very beginning of that chapter. Elijah replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and ten quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. Now, let me set this up a little bit for you here now, Okay. Uh, Samaria, which is the capital of Israel, those northern tribes, and if you're reading, again, if you're reading with us, you kind of recognize that maybe. So this is Samaria, it was the capital of the northern tribes. They were experiencing such a famine that a donkey's head was selling for 80 pieces of silver. That families were, I don't know what you do with that. Donkey head stew, I don't know. You ever seen a donkey's head? There's not a lot of meat on a donkey's head. But it was selling for 80 pieces of silver. That's how bad the famine was. But Elisha prophesied that this time tomorrow, look at it, the uh, what, five quarts of choice flour and uh, 10 quarts of barley grain will sell for one piece of silver. That God is about to do such a miracle of outpouring of his blessings and stuff on us that our situation of famine is going to be so much so that, that these things are going to be just cheap. I'm just flowing through the streets almost. And then the officer assisting the king said to the man of God, Elisha, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now, why does this relate to us and our, you know, problems with uh, accepting all of the, the hard to believe, the beyond belief kind of stuff that happens maybe in the Bible or even what God tells us day to day. How does this relate to us? Look at this, this, this one, this officer that assisted the king. Look at what he believed. He believed in the God of Israel, that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord, when he said that, and he, he was talking about the Hebrew God, okay, Jehovah God. He said the Lord. So he believes in God, and he believes that God has a storehouse. He said if he were to open the windows of heaven and just pour everything out that he had on us. So he believes that God has a multitude of, of, of storehouse full of stuff up there, but he can't believe that it could happen to him. And see, that's where a lot of us, I think, we connect with that, right? Is because We've already, most of us in this room probably have already made up our minds that we believe in God. We believe in God. But the problem is, is that we're not really sure about the other stuff. You know, life is full of miracles. Amen? And isn't it crazy, the ones we struggle with? Isn't it crazy that we struggle with the things that we struggle with? You know, you know I know people that, there, there are some people they can believe God to heal a headache, but they, can't, they just can't believe God to heal cancer. And you know what? 
I know people who will pray and pray and pray for somebody that has cancer, but they won't pray over a headache because God's not interested in that little bitty stuff. Isn't it crazy how, how we all kind of get caught on the same little thing here or there? You know, like we're, we're bothered by this or bothered by that. Okay, but let, let me just lay this out for you here. He believed in a God. He believed in a God that had enough, but he couldn't believe for his stuff. And that's where a lot of us get to. But here's what we've got to get, okay? Um, what is, do we struggle with believing? The, the flood in the Bible, the great flood? You know, do, do, do we struggle with, with tongues and how, how God had 120 people speaking languages they had never learned? And, and so 3,000 people out in the streets who were from all kinds of nations speaking all different kinds of languages, they were able to understand them. What is it that we have a hard time believing? Healing, that God actually still heals today. Financial needs, that God can provide those things, that, that God actually can still deliver people from their addictions. Uh, that that uh, the resurrection may be the last thing we're believing God on this earth for, you know, is that resurrection that this isn't it? I mean, man, come on. You know, I'm like Paul, that if I had hope in this life only, man, I'd be of all men most miserable. Is this it, right? I mean, it's pretty good from time to time, but is this all there is? You know, but if we can believe that he is God, then why can't we believe all this other? I mean, isn't it crazy, the stuff that we struggle with? I mean, if we, I'm not talking about a, a king or a president. They can do a lot of stuff, right? I mean, they can issue things, you know, edicts and declarations, you know, and, and executive orders, and, and you know, it happens. I'm not talking about a king. I'm not talking about a president. I am talking about a supreme being who created everything out of nothing. If I believe in that, then there should be nothing else that I should struggle with believing about him. I am fully convinced that if he is God... You know, then whatever he decides to do and however he decides to do it, it is his prerogative to do it. You know, I mean, if he's really his God, you know, I, he, he can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it, even as silly as it may look to me and you sometimes, right? Even as, even as unbelievable and, and, and beyond belief that it can be, if he really is God, he can do whatever he wants to, however he wants to do it. And so whatever it is that you're struggling with, man, if you've already believed God, you need to put all that aside and just say, well, but he's God. You know, I mean, you know, it, so let me, let, me, uh, let, me take you, let me take you to a story here. I'm going to use this story, the story of Naaman. I'm going to use it as an example to us of a few of these things, okay? And we're going to, just backing up two chapters from where we were a moment ago, the story of Naaman. Uh, and uh, it, let, me, let me set this up. I've got to set this whole story up before we read those two verses, Okay. Naaman was not an Israelite. He actually was the commander of the army of another country, another nation that, that constantly was at war with, with Israel. Uh, they would come in, they would defeat him, and, uh, and there were several countries like this. And, and, and they, would take, they would take slaves. They would take people to serve them. Now, uh, Naaman, he took one home to be, and this was a young Israelite girl, he took her home to be his wife's handmaid. Okay, it sounds like she's a housekeeper or something. Well, she was a slave. She was, okay, she's a servant now. Basically, what you and I would call a slave. She, he took her home. Now, Naaman had a skin disease that in the Bible, a lot of, a lot of these skin diseases were called Leprosy, just kind of all lumped in there. He had leprosy, a skin disease of some kind. It might have been what we call leprosy today or might be something totally different. But uh, he had a skin disease of some kind. And one day, this little Israelite handmaid to Naaman's wife said, Oh, I wish my master Naaman 
could just go to Samaria, go over to Israel where there is a man of God. And this man, because this man of God, he, he, could bring, he could bring God's healing into Naaman's body if he could just meet it. When Naaman heard this, he said, I got to try this. And so he went and talked to his king. His king loved him because Naaman was the captain of his army. And he said, yes, go, go. I'll even send letters with you. So when Naaman gets over to Israel, he goes to Samaria, he goes to the king and he presents the letters from his king to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel tears his clothes. Now, this is something they did to show anguish or, or, or kind of in, in this way, like unbelief. Or like, what, what, what can I do with this? This is what the king said. He, he said, am I a God that, you know, this king brings this to me? I can't heal this man of leprosy. But Elisha heard about, you know, the king tearing his robes and everything. But man, Elisha got the word over there to the king real, in, in a hurry. So I'm wondering if Elisha heard it from God before it even actually happened. So he sends word and he tells the king, don't worry, stop tearing your clothes up. Send him to me. Send him to me. So the king sends Naaman over to Elisha's house. When he gets there, he uh, presents the, you know, the letters. He says, hey, I'm here. You, you sent for me, and I'm here to be healed. And Elisha sends his servant out to meet Naaman and tell him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Go dip down seven times in the water. Okay? And, and when Naaman hears this, instead of saying, thank God, he gets mad. He gets indignant. He says, he's not even going to come meet me. He's not going to speak some incantation or pray some prayer over me. He's not going to lay hands on me. He's not going to, he didn't even have the decent, I thought he would at least come out here and meet me face to face. And he tells me to go dip in the Jordan River. We've got, we got rivers back in my country a lot nicer than the Jordan River. And he tells me to dip in the Jordan River. And he gets so mad, he is ready to leave. And he's starting to leave. He's telling his guys, pack up, we're going back, not listening to any of this anymore. And some of his assistants come to him and they say, now, Naaman, listen, if the prophet of God had told you to do something great and awesome, you would have done it. But he's just told you to do something so simple, just to go dip. And so we're here. Let's go to the Jordan River and let's do it. And let's try it and just see. And that's where we pick up 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. And if you go again to Sunday's page and click on the link, it'll take you to that whole story, not just that. And there's more, more after this that, uh, that you need to read also, Okay. Why? Here's the question then. Why dip? I mean, that's it, right? Why dip in the Jordan seven times? You know, why, why would it? Okay. And I really get bogged down preaching here because there's a bunch of reasons. I've listed four of them for you right there. I've got a fifth one I'm going to throw on the screen in just a few moments, but I've given you four of them right here. And the first one is symbolism. Okay. He was dipping down, you know, going down in the water, symbolism. He's being washed, you know, he's being cleansed. It takes seven times. Oh, Great time for a commercial right here. Two weeks from today, we're having a water baptism service, okay? Yeah, I planned to fit this one in, okay? This, this isn't out, I planned to fit this one in right here. Two weeks from today, if you are a Christian, you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. It's really, we can tell you what to do. Text 476-2911, just the word baptized, and someone, one of the staff members will get back with you, tell you everything you need to know. Two weeks from today, 10, 10 a.m., one service, both our services together. We do it outside, so everybody pray for good weather, right? And you bring, bring your lawn.
lawn chairs, if you don't bring a canopy tent, whatever, because, you know, this is Alabama. We have no idea what the weather's going to be like in May, right? I mean, it could be 30-something degrees today and, uh, you know, 90-something tomorrow, okay? So whatever, whatever the, the weather's like, bring, what, you know, bring, bring something cold to drink if you want to, whatever, and we'll have service out there. And it, but if you have not been, and listen, if you've already been baptized, be here to celebrate because we'll have worship and a very short sermon because I know how everybody's ADD is, especially when you're outside, you know, and, and we'll have kids with us and all that and the baptism. So you need to be here. But if you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. Why? Because one, it's a symbol. I mean, this story about Naaman is a great example for baptism, but it's not just a symbolism. It's also obedience, obedience, doing what God tells you to do. And, and Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, 20, go therefore and baptize all nations and, and teach them to observe all things I've commanded you. So, so, uh, Jesus is telling us to do this. So you've got to do this to be obedient. You have to be baptized. Naaman had to do this to be obedient. You know, and, and here, here's one of the really cool things that happened in this story with Naaman. Naaman loathed that dirty water of, of Jordan, but after he got healed, you know what he did? He went and gathered up some dirt from there in Israel, and he said, I'm taking some of this home, and I'm going to start worshiping on the dirt of Israel. He said, i got to take some of this back home. I can't stay in Israel, but I can take some Israel home with me. So, so think about this, the change that happened in him because of his obedience is he, loathed, he hated the dirty water, what he called the dirty water of the Jordan River, yet he embraced the dirt, the actual dirt of Israel on his way home. You know, that's the kind of change that happens when you're obedient. It's a, it's a bigger change. He was, just he was just looking for, you know, to be healed on the outside, but God did something on the inside as well because of his obedience. There's a couple of more things. Humility. He was too good to go down to the Jordan River. Sometimes we're too good. Y'all need me to meddle there a while? Or if you say amen, I know you get it and I can go on. You know, but if you, if you get quiet, I think I got to stay here and preach, you know? You guys got a problem with pride or something, you know? No, you, humility is one of the reasons that he had to dip in the Jordan River. Is there anything you won't do for God? Ooh, don't tell him. Don't, and he already reads your mind, but don't tell him because that is probably the thing, you know? He's just like, because that's the one thing holding you back, you know, from being obedient. And simplicity. Remember, like the assistant said, if it had been a big thing, you'd have done it, but this little thing, you won't do it. Simplicity. You know, you know, you know what God says? You remember two weeks ago, we closed the service when we came down at the very, very end. And, and just give you a heads up, if you're a first time attender, we'd like to close down front with a final song and a final prayer. Uh, but I, I closed two weeks ago with that scripture from James. You remember why, they, why God said through James they had not received? Simply because they hadn't asked. They fought. They, they fought each other for the things they wanted. But God said, you, hadn't had, you, you haven't gotten what you need, not because you, you hadn't fought the right way, but because you hadn't asked. Simple, simple, just the simple stuff. But let me give you one more reason to dip. Because he's God. <laughs> and he knows stuff we don't know. You know? I mean, so you're saying, I don't understand why I got to dip in Jordan, or I don't understand why I've got to get baptized, or I don't understand why I need to do this or need to do that. I don't understand why I need to read the Bible every day or why I need to pray every day. Because he's God. It's not the king. It's not your pastor's not God, okay? The the mayor is not God. There's no one that is God but God, and he knows stuff you don't know. 
And so when, when, when you pray and you ask God, and listen to me, when he says no, you need to set it aside and say, okay, God, I'll, I'll say no to this in my life because you're God and you know stuff I don't know. When he says maybe or wait a while, you say, okay, God, I'll wait. I'll have patience because you're God and you know stuff I don't know. And when he says yes, then you need to say, thank you, God. Thank you that you see fit to give me that because you're God and you know stuff that I don't know. So this is a good thing that you're giving to me. Whatever it is, you need to embrace that, that he's God. Why do what God has said? Because he's God. He knows stuff you don't know. You know, and you, you may be being tempted right now to, to give up a great job for what looks like an even better job. Pray about it. Because he knows stuff you don't know. He knows if the industry you're about to move into is about to bottom out. He knows if, he knows if the whole thing's about to go away. He knows if, if the CEO is, is, you know, taking funds or something and, and maybe they're going. He knows all that kind of stuff. And so don't, don't just do what you want to. Do what God says because he knows stuff we don't know. So let me, let me, give, you, let me give you a quote right here. I'm, i got to hurry, man. I'm, I'm getting into this just a little too much. This is from an atheist turned Christian, okay? And, and, and uh, Alistair McGrath wrote, faith is not belief without proof, but trust without res- reservations. This is good. A trust in a God who has shown himself worthy of that trust. Certainty isn't the heart of faith. Trust is the heart of faith. Because you see, even in my faith, and, I, and I, I, we've had a miracle. This week we had a miracle. We prayed God answered. It was a miracle. Thank God for it. I'm saying it right now, testifying. God showed up for my family this week. I thank God for that and showing up. And you know what? My faith was not perfect. I did not know that God was going to say yes. But my trust was to put it in his hands. Okay, so here, here, let me, let me show you this with Naaman. Why did Naaman go down to the river? Why did he do it even though he wasn't sure it was going to happen? Why? Because inside, he wanted to believe he was going to be healed. Inside, he needed to believe he was going to be healed. And you do too. You need to believe. You want to believe. This week, I wanted so badly to believe that God was going to perform the miracle that we needed from him. I needed to believe that so badly. And uh, and so we put our trust in him. And guess what? He showed up. He did it. He said, yes, amen. Man. And I said, thank you, God, because you know stuff. This must be a good thing that you have done in, in our lives today. You need to believe that. You, you, you want to believe that. You know, you, because God gave that to you. Another quote right here, okay? Uh, and this is from Addie Zierman. She said, all this doubt, we've been, we've been preaching to you about the f- past four weeks, all this doubt and questioning, all this searching and discarding, all this angst, this is normal. This is important and good and part of it. Here is my best advice, great advice. Listen to the longing. Down inside of each one of us is a longing to believe that there is a God. I mean, I'd take you to the, to the movies just to prove it. I mean, just look at, look at the movies. I mean, sci-fi, you know, uh, the superheroes and all of that. Why? Because we want to believe in that, right? We want to believe that, you know, that there is more out there. And, and so we like these kinds of stories. Incidentally, Blockbuster's going to start again in a few months, to, uh, in about a month, too, just a few weeks, this summer series. Okay, another commercial today. Uh, but, but we do this because God put inside of us a longing for something that is more than us. Something that is bigger than us. And, and, and I want to give you uh, Addie's advice. Listen to the longing. 
You know, Brent preached last week, and, and, and man, if you hadn't heard that sermon, go back to the podcast and, and listen to it, because what he said with all of these questions that we have, go back to the beginning. Go back to Jesus. Just start right there with Jesus and let those questions be answered all along as you get to that place. And what you're going to do is you're going to realize there is a longing inside of me to believe in a God that can, that wants to, and that will. So let me talk to you real quickly about that, that God. And, you know, and I want to revisit the existence of God just, just briefly. Brent, Brent did, uh, gave us a lot. And those resources from last week on the Sunday's page, from last week, they're still there. You need to, you need to, you need to print some of those articles out and just hang on to them. Uh, bookmark, bookmark those videos and, and audio files that are there. Some great resources if you're, if you're having problems doubting God, the Bible, creation, evolution, that kind of stuff. You need to get... But I, I just want to visit this real quick because I'm going somewhere with this, okay? It's not just this one point. I, I want to encourage your, your faith to believe that He is God, but I also want to go somewhere with this, okay? Uh, so the existence of God. Just... Just for an instance, just consider the chemical properties of water. Just real quick, okay? Odorless, colorless, tasteless. And yet nothing can survive without it. Think about this, the earth. It is the perfect size to give us the gravity field that we have today. If it was smaller, if the gravity was less... Your car wouldn't be sitting outside when you get out there because there wouldn't be enough to hold it down in its parking place. You know, it might be floating away, right? You know, and the, the sun, a little further away from, you know, in our position to it, a little further away from the sun and we'd freeze to death a little closer and we'd burn up. And we're staying perfectly in this, right? At 67,000 miles an hour flying around the sun, but it's just such a big arc, you just don't notice it. You say, yeah, but that doesn't prove God. That proves what? Gravity? Centrifugal force? But where'd that come from? You see, here's part of the problem, is when we start questioning these things, we always, always jump into the middle of the equation. Instead of going back to the beginning, you know, like, like, like evolution, I'm, okay, it, it might try to explain some things in the middle, but it doesn't start at the beginning. You know, in the same, in the same way, that's what we do with God. It's like you say, well, but that doesn't prove God that, that the earth is per No, hang in here with me, okay? And the moon, it, it's, its size and its distance from the earth, perfect for the tides that we have. A little further away, and it would just sling on out into space. A little closer, it would have crashed a long time ago, and it's perfect. The, the, the very uniform laws of nature, everything has been measured out. It's been constructed in such a way that everything is continuing. And these laws of nature, look, and this, this, is, this is not even a Christian. This is a Nobel Prize winner for quantum electrodynamics. Richard Feynman said this, why nature is mathematical is a mystery. Why, it's, why is it mathematical? Have you ever thought about it? It's a mystery. The fact that there are rules at all is a kind of miracle. So when you're saying, well, the earth is going around the sun at the perfect because of all of these laws, where did the laws come from? Where did the rules come from? You see, without the rules, there is chaos. Without the order, there is chaos. And so without the one that created the order and the rules, there is chaos. Everything around you, everything about our lives, everything about our existence screams, there is a supreme being. You know, and, and it's not just 
these laws are not just laws for here today. You know, you go to another country, they're there too. Or what? Not just this world. But you go to Mars and the laws are the same. Sure, there are elements there maybe that we don't find here. Gravity is different, right? The heat is different. But what? The law is still the same. The reason gravity is different is because of the law. All of this, okay? So let's take this just a little deeper if I can. I'm taking, trying to go somewhere with this, okay? Is chaos is the absence of order. You know, some people say that out of chaos came order. That's not the way it works. Things don't get all jumbled up and whoop, come back together. That's not the way it works. Things fall apart. They don't just come back together on their own. I mean, you know, just look at relationships, right? You start messing and messing up a relationship. It doesn't just come back together. You don't ignore it. It, it definitely is going to go away. I mean, it's going to fall apart. It doesn't happen that way. Chaos, and actually chaos is not something create. Order is the thing, and chaos is the absence of order. You know, you can't really create. I know some people say, well, we can create chaos. We'll just get a group of people together, and we'll go down into the city streets. You know, we'll create all this chaos, you know, like we see a lot of protesters doing today. But what did you do? You just created another order. And now your order is just superseding everybody else's order. You didn't create chaos. You created it because you organized, you know? So the chaos that was organized was really not really chaos because it was organized. You get it? It's like this. Darkness is the absence of light. You cannot create darkness. You can create light, but you cannot create darkness. You know? I, I, I could tell David to go, go over there in the closet, over there behind you. David, go in and close the doors and, and make sure the light's off. And, you know, you'll be in darkness and grab a couple of handfuls of darkness, bring it back out here. You can't do that, can you? You cannot, you cannot move darkness around. But David could go in there and with one little candle, he could begin dispelling the darkness. Because darkness is simply the absence of light, like cold. It's the absence of heat. You can't really take, you can't create cold. You can create heat. Friction creates heat. Combustion creates heat. But you can't create cold. I know some of you think, yeah, I'll go home and I adjust the thermostat and I get cold. That's not what's happening. What is happening is you're removing the heat. Cold is not created. You can't go, and I know you take some ice and put it in your cup and your drink gets cold, right? But that's not creating cold. That is not moving cold. You're removing something that is cold. Heat is the thing that is measured, and cold is the absence of the thing that can be measured. Now, what does all that matter beyond a science lesson in the middle of your sermon, or at the end of your sermon here today, Pastor? Here's what it means. It's in the same way, evil is the absence of good. You know, and, and if you will grasp this and understand it, because we worry about evil creeping in. Oh, somebody told me between services, totally different subject they were talking about. But they said, you know, I, I had, used to have a fear of, of Satan. That's what I was always told, be fear, fear, fear Satan. And said, you know, but when I became a Christian, I didn't have to fear that anymore. But, you know, and he didn't go on to say this because evil is the absence of good. And some people will tell you that the presence of evil tells us that there is no God. Because if he was all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, da-da-da-da-da, he would get... Listen, the evil in our world is not an argument against the existence of God. The evil in our world is a desperate cry for the presence of God. That's what it is. And without God, 
our universe would be a chaotic, cold, dark place. Without God, our world is a chaotic, cold, dark place. Without God, and I don't mean for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning, but without God in your family, your family is probably walking through a chaotic, cold, dark place. It may come and go back and forth, but you're going to keep experiencing it. But the important part is individually. Without God, you are in a chaotic, spiritually cold, dark place. And we know it. And, we know. and why is that? Because he does exist. And if he exists, I've already told you, he can do anything. If our God exists, he can do anything. And I was just thinking of that as we were singing that song, I am a child of God. I'm not a child of the president. I'm not a child of a king here on the earth. I'm not a child of the mayor. You know, you're not, you're not a child, most of you, aren't a child of the pastor here, you know, but you're a child of God. Who? God, the supreme being who can do whatever he chooses to do. So when I say I'm a child of God, man, I'm saying I'm a child of the one who can do it all. I, I, I want to encourage you to have your trust and confidence. I, let me introduce you to one person just before we come to the front. Let me just say this just to minimize the amount of time we'll have here at the front. I want to introduce you to Darius or Darius, however you want to pronounce it. I've, in my circles, people pronounce it both ways. And, and that story of Daniel in the lion's den is that one that's kind of, you know, beyond belief, you know, that God would, okay, don't, don't, don't even worry about that part yet, okay? I, I don't even want to talk about Daniel. I, I want to talk about Darius. He was the king. Because Daniel prayed, he got thrown in the lion's den because Darius had foolishly issued a decree that nobody's supposed to pray except pray to the king. You know, thank God we can pray to somebody besides just the king, right? Well, he issued that. Daniel ends up, and he, he loved Daniel, but he was stupid when he issued this decree. So Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel's like, encourage it, don't, don't worry about it. My God, my God can take care of me. And so I want to take you to the scriptures and see what happens to the king. That night, the king... He can't sleep. He doesn't, it, it says that he doesn't even indulge in his normal um, entertainment things. Like, he turns the TV off. Great example. Oh, I could preach here about fasting. It's not just about food, okay? But, but, I, but not, not going to preach that. I don't have time for that today. He can't sleep. He can't even enjoy whatever entertainment it was that they had back in those days for the king every night. He didn't enjoy his normal entertainment. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't enjoy that. And I want to take you to the verses of Scripture, but I want to bring you down front first, okay? So if you will stand and come to the front. Again, if you're a first-time attender and you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us. All we do is we're going to sing a song, and, and we're actually going to pray and then sing a song, and we'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. So come on this way, and let me read you these two verses of Scripture in close. And if everybody will, you know, step in just a little bit closer so we can get everybody out of, the, out of the aisles and everybody will be down, feel like they're down front with us. Okay, so, so Darius can't sleep all night. Let's, let's go to the scripture now. It's Daniel 
Chapter 6, begin verse 19. Very early the next morning, okay, the Hebrew, the way the Hebrew kind of actually said this when it was written out is like at the very earliest moment of the day at the crack of dawn. Okay, he can't sleep all night because he's worried about Daniel. So the very earliest moment in the morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. Okay, he hurried. He hadn't slept all night. He's worried about Daniel. And, and so he gets up the very moment and he hurries out to the lion's den. And when he gets there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you served so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? You know why he couldn't sleep? You know why he got up first thing in the morning? You know why he hurried out to the lions then? Because something inside of him, just like Naaman, something inside of him, just like me and you, something inside of him wanted to believe that Daniel's God was able to deliver him. He wanted to believe. That's why he couldn't sleep. He wanted to believe that. That's why he, was, he rushed there and he, and he asked. He wanted to believe. You know, you know why there's some people, it seems like some people get their, their, their needs met, their, their requests, their questions answered from God, and some don't. Let me take you back to the simplicity of it. Two weeks ago, when God said, and James, and God said, you don't have just simply because you don't ask. The prayer team is right here. Man, we want to pray with you right now. I, I want to encourage you to trust the longing that is inside. Listen to the longing that is inside. This is whatever, whatever. And listen, every one of you standing here, every family, every individual, you've got needs. I want to, I want to encourage you right now. Prayer team is standing here. We want to believe with you. And I want to encourage you to listen to the longing to come and let us agree with you and pray with you and believe that, that, that God is, is not just able to, not just in a position to, but that God is worthy of being trusted, that you can trust him with whatever your problems are, whatever your situations are. And let me tell you, this week, this week, I had, my family had a serious need, and we went to God in prayer, and he showed up and he said yes. And I've been praying, I've been praying and praying. It, it, it like really hit me this morning, and I've been praying this morning. I don't know how many times I've prayed it. God, do it for somebody else today too. So I want, I want you to move this way, okay? Jamie's going to go ahead and start. I'm going to pray a prayer over you right now, but I want you to come and let us pray with you, okay? And I'll jump in here with the prayer team if, if, if we need more people praying, okay? But don't hesitate a moment.